Welcome back in everyone to a very special episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have an incredibly special guest joining us today. You may know our guest from such great Broadway shows as A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical, or the upcoming Broadway show Harmony. We are joined by the producer and writer Ken Davenport. Ken, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thanks so much for having me. It's a thrill to be here. It's such an honor to have you. We are huge fans of you and of all of your work. A Beautiful Noise was lovely. We saw Harmony when it was playing downtown. So we're very excited about seeing it this upcoming fall. And I am just so excited that we have you, a a Broadway producer on our show. And I'm excited to share what you do with our listeners. So if I could start by having you tell us a little bit about you as a producer. Well, what I tell people, because one of the most common questions I get is, what does a producer actually do? And the best analogy I can use is that the producer is like a CEO of a company, or more specifically, the CEO of a startup. Because what I do every year, I call myself a serial startup guy, is I come up with a new product, right? whether that's a Neil Diamond musical, because I was introduced to Bob Gaudio, who was Neil Diamond's friend and Neil Diamond wanted a musical, or it's whether I come up with an idea myself, I I wanna take the vacation movie franchise and turn it into a musical. So I have to find this product and just like the founder of a startup, I have to then get the product created, hire writers to do it, composers to do it or do it myself. I have to find a place to sell the product, the theater. I have to raise the money. I have to plan the marketing. I have to do all of the things that a CEO or the founder of a startup would do. So that's what a producer does is is run a business like any other business on the planet. That's amazing. I think that's something that a lot of people don't know. I think a lot of people assume that a producer has something presented to them and they're like, oh yeah, well, cool. Here's the money. Go nuts. You know? So how how did you get involved? How did you come into the performing arts initially? So like most people, I started when I was very young and I was introduced to it by my parents. So my parents dragged me to an audition when I was five years old for my first show. It was also the year they got divorced, which I don't think is a coincidence. I actually think the theater was the one place that they could get along. So they introduced me to it, which is how I look at theater in general, to be honest. I always think that the theater unites people, right? What I love about a, sh- a great show is that you can go see it and there'll be a 1500 people in that audience of all different types, sizes, races, sexuality, gender, religion, all of it. And if the show is amazing, all of those different people will be unified in that one voice and leaning towards that stage and, and listening and changed by it. And that's, I always think my parents were that way too, no matter how much they were fighting at home, at the theater where they brought me, it was all good. So they got me involved when I was theater as a little kid. I did it until I was 12, until I got too cool for it. And then I thought I was going to be a jock. And then got rebit by the bug my senior year of high school. And I just dove in. I was going to be a lawyer. I changed my focus. I transferred from Johns Hopkins to the Tisch School of the Arts at NYU. And there I was introduced to a man who gave me a gig as a production assistant on a Broadway show. So getting, you know, fresh turkey sandwiches for Richard Chamberlain and 
driving the actors around and typing up a schedule on a Mac classic computer, like all that stuff. And I learned that it took a lot more than actors to put on a Broadway show. And I also learned that there were a lot of other positions on a Broadway show that were more interesting to me than being a performer. So I became a stage manager, a company manager, a general manager, and then eventually a producer almost 20 years ago now. I love that you've mentioned just the entire community, the entire village that it takes to put on a show. You know, a lot of the people that you just don't see on stage. And I also love how you put in all the hard knocks that you kind of have to, to, to put in before you get to the top. And that leads me to my next question, which is what has your experience as a producer been, especially recently as Broadway's returned from the pandemic? Look, it's a, it's a challenging time. It's still a challenging time. Broadway has recovered faster than we anticipated. We've like broken every benchmark. However, we're still not back yet. And I will say that the last piece is going to be the most difficult piece because the last audience to return is, of course, the most stubborn. And we're about 84, 85%, down about 14, 15% from pre-pandemic levels. And that chunk is going to be hard to get back. That is the midtown office worker that doesn't come in on a Friday anymore that's, and would stay to see a show. That is the suburban theater goer that now only comes into New York a few times every couple of months rather than multiple times a month. They've, they've changed their habits and we have to do a lot in order to, to get them back. So it's been a challenge, but look, we're here. We're still here. I love it. I am, am in this for the long haul. I won't stop doing this. So, and I consider myself very grateful that we're able to do it. There were many times during that pandemic where I was like, oh, wow, this, maybe this is it. But what kept me going, actually, and what will keep me going through the next crisis, because we will have one, the theater has survived for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It has survived plagues. It has survived the invention of the radio, the television, when people said no one would ever leave their house, the invention of the internet, streaming, dot-com bubble burst, 2008, September 11th, and of course, the pandemic. And it will continue to survive and we'll get it back to thriving because nothing is better than a group of people collectively gathering and hearing a story he told. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now you have two incredible shows on and coming to Broadway. You've got the Neil Diamond musical, A Beautiful Noise. And then of course, coming this fall, you have Harmony two excellent shows. We've gotten to see both of them. Can you talk a little bit about them? What has it been like bringing those shows to Broadway and and the experience of of creating a Broadway musical, if you will? So both of them have been thrilling in, in so many ways. And I'll start by just saying getting to work with these people has just been like, been ridiculous, honestly. I've had those pinch me moments I've been talking to Neil Diamond or on a Zoom with my producing partner, Bob Gaudio, you know, of the Four Seasons and Neil and literally going outside myself going like, is this really happening? Am I like talking about and giving them ideas and all sorts of things about bringing the show to Broadway? And then, you know, I'll hang up and then, you know, my phone will ring and it'll be Barry Manilow on the phone, who I have been a huge fan of since I was a kid. And But interestingly enough, both of those those singer-songwriters 
I think the reason I was always in love with their material is the reason why I produce shows. They are story songwriters, right? Like Neil Diamond's song, Shiloh. Shiloh, when I was young, when I used to, or Brooklyn Roads, like all this stuff. He tells, he talks about characters and stories. It's no wonder I was drawn to them and now drawn to the theater. Barry Manilow, the same way. Listen to Copacabana. It's a story song. There are characters in there, Tony and Lola and Rika. And what's, what's going to happen? The drama, who shot who? It's a musical, it's a mini musical. So that like, it only makes sense that they would be a part of Broadway right now. And it only makes sense that I, I love their stuff since the beginning. So creating, you know, Neil, Neil Diamond, that was a, such a thrill because we created it from, we got in a room and I got to work with Anthony McCartan, four-time Academy Award nominee, inter, like listen to him interview Neil Diamond and come up with the construct and the theme for the evening and then read his book after that. And then Barry has been working on Harmony for a number of years. And I have like almost crossed paths with it many, many times. And then finally bumped into it. And when I read it, I was like, this show is too good not to have it shot. And for whatever reason, it didn't. And that reason is my good fortune. And I also think that what really the final catalyst for shows really coming together are creative teams. And we found an incredible director, choreographer, and Warren Carlyle. That was absolutely the right person to bring Harmony to life and right now. And the show leapt ahead when Warren jumped on board. And we had this wonderfully successful production at the Yiddish Theater folks being downtown. And now it's finally, after all these years, coming to Broadway. And couldn't be more excited. It's an incredible story. I cannot wait, because that is the one thing I, I walked away with. And it's a true story. And I was like, I had no idea about this. But I mean, I remember everything about that afternoon. It was so wonderful. So I can't wait. I'm so excited to see what what the transition from downtown to Broadway is going to look like. It's going to be yeah, great. It's, it, it's going to be everything you love, but but more and different and you know we never stop and these authors never stop i mean listen i think it's important to know that these two musicals are very different so beautiful noise neil diamond musical is the story of neil diamond with all of his songs so it's like jersey boys it's like beautiful harmony is not the story of barry manilow you're not going to hear copacabana you're not going to hear bandy that's going to be another show i'm sure at some point but that's not this you know barry stumbled upon this very true story of the comedian harmonist and his partner bruce sussman they stumbled upon the story years ago and they said this story needs to be told. You know, Barry, like like Neil, grew up in Brooklyn and Barry dreamed about having a Broadway musical and writing an original score to one and now he's done it. I love that. Now you being a producer, a Broadway producer and a writer, you have the ability to bring these great stories such as Harmony to millions of people and to essentially enact change in the world of theater, what changes would you like to see made in the theater going forward? So look, that's I, I, a very interesting question because I, I, what I love is what the theater can do in terms of change people's hearts and minds without thinking those people realizing that their hearts and minds are being changed. It, or the spoonful of sugar approach, as I like to say. One of my favorite quotes is by this, ironically, a Russian diplomat who once said, 
something like art changes minds a lot more than politicians ever will. And the best example that I can use with some of my stuff is Kinky Boots, which I was a co-producer on Kinky Boots. I was not the lead producer, but I was happy to come on board that show. And my favorite part about that show, I used to, I go to the ends of my shows a lot to watch the audience's response. That's why I, I do the theater in, in the first place. And I used to always like be able to pick out a group of husbands from the Midwest that were obviously dragged there. And at the end of the show, they'd be on their feet, stomping their feet and hooting and hollering and cheering. And I always would think if I went to them a week ago and said, next week, you're going to be on your feet cheering for a bunch of drag queens in the movie, that musical Kinky Boots, they would have been like, no way, not going to happen. And then they see the show. And then they hear that amazing book and that amazing story by Harvey Firestein. And their hearts and minds are changed without even realizing it. The next thing you know, on, your, on their feet. And frankly, they go home, wherever they're from, and they can't help but think differently when the next time they meet someone that might be a little different than they are. And that's what I believe the theater can do and, and the magic of it. And that's what I aim to do in my work. Yes, those six steps to changing the world. They'll stick with you. I absolutely love that. Uh, that's my, one of my favorite parts of that show. I, I I always get the chills when Don says you change the world when you change your mind. No matter how many times I see it, I just, it, oh, it's so good. So what are some of the things you're most excited about in the theater coming down the pipeline? So obviously, you know, right, Beautiful Noise is up and running. It's Gosh, it's been nine months already or close to it and getting to a year. So that's a real feat these days. We're excited about that. And Harmony, of course, we're gearing up. I just got off the phone with Warren just a few moments ago talking about finalizing casting. I mean, you know, it gets very exciting. It's no matter how many times you do it. And I've been doing this, you know, 20 something years now and in the business for 30. It's always exciting when you were launching a new show. There's so much excitement and hope and and talk to people like you and hear how excited they are to see it or learn more about it. I'm so thrilled. So, you know, it's like, it's the birth of a new child. And when, you know, that is a very exciting thing. I had that happen to me a few years ago. I have a five-year-old now and it gets very, it gets very exciting when you get close to the birthday. So that's, that's it. But, you know, I also love getting first drafts of things. I'm working on a show based on Harry Belafonte. I'm working on a show called the 10 and, you put all these pieces together and then you get that first draft and you're like, oh my gosh, what will this do? And how will this change people's hearts and minds and change the world and entertain them and thrill them and excite them? So there's a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to. And I am looking forward to just the industry and how it continues to come back in all those different ways from the pandemic and, and thrive again like it was before.
switch things up for the second part and let our listeners get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. And I want to start by asking what or who inspires you? What playwrights or composers or shows have inspired you or are some of your favorites? That's a that's a very good question. I will tell you that I I I went to Tisch at NYU in the early 90s. And I always say I went to Tisch as undergrad and my grad school was in Times Square. Because what I used to do was go to class during the day and then I would come up and see shows. And I would often second act them, which is something you can't do anymore. And second acting was a thing we did a lot of, which is basically you hung outside the theater and when intermission came and all the smokers came out, you'd mill in with the smokers and then go watch just the second act of the show. And you'd find, you know, sometimes you'd find, you'd just find an empty seat or you'd pick up a ticket stub and make it look like it was yours and you'd sit down somewhere. Oh yeah, I saw the second act of Les Mis like 27 times. I saw, and to talk about shows that inspired me, the one I kept going back to, and I'm actually getting a chance to work with Chip right now in Harmony, but I went back to see Falsettos many, many times. And that original company was something that really changed me because talk about changing hearts and minds. It entertained me, it was funny, it was tuneful, but it was about a world that I didn't know much about, right? It, it's a Jewish story, right? That's a lot about a bar mitzvah in the show. And of course, the AIDS epidemic. And this is someone, a kid from suburban Massachusetts who half Catholic, half Indian, like, like I didn't, I didn't, this is a new world to me. And I was so taken by that and so and learned so much about it. And I was so moved by that show. I saw it so many times. And it was the first small intimate musical I saw. You know, I was just used to Phantom and Les Mis and these big things. And then I saw that. And then the other one I saw about that time was Once on this Island, another intimate one, which I fell in love with. Had no idea what the show was about when I wandered in. And, and I tell people I, I walked into the theater and I floated home because I had never had such an experience. And I got to produce the revival in, in 2018, which we were thankful enough and so grateful that we won the Tony Award for it, thanks to Michael Arndt's stunning production. So those are some of the early shows that really moved me. Les Mis is probably the reason I'm in the business, because I grew up on Annie and things like that. Which And then Les Mis came along, and I loved Annie, but I never thought a show could move you the way Les Mis moved me and really got into my heart and soul. And those are the types of shows I think that that really make a difference. Rent did the same thing when I saw that original company. Yeah, those are, those are a few examples. I love that list. So along those lines, what is your dream show? My dream show is a show that moves the world, right? Like that's what I wanna do. I, I love to move audiences. I love to affect people. And the bigger the audience that I can affect, the better. The bigger the one that I can move and make them adjust their thinking, change their mind. You know, the, one another great quote about art I heard was in high school, that art is meant to disturb. And it didn't mean disturb as in like a ghost story, be disturbing. It just meant like, push you off your axis for a moment, make you think about something differently, laugh, whatever. It just made you like shake you up a bit. And those are the shows that I want to do, like the ones that I just told you. Les Mis, Rents, Hamilton, of course, such a cliche, but 
these are shows that have had such a massive impact on the world. They, they, as Steve Jobs is the one I think who said, you know, put a ding in the universe. And that's what I love to do. And I think art can do it in a way where people don't know they're being dinged. And then the next thing you know, they've changed their minds or they go home, they go home happy and they weren't happy before and they treat their family different or what, you know, whatever it is. And, and that's what I, I like to think we're all doing together. I love that. All of that. Well, I am excited to ask you my favorite question that I ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, look, winning the Tony Award was quite a dream come true. And I would say it was my favorite memory, although I have to tell you, I don't remember any of it. Like it happened as such a like a whirlwind. Next thing you know, I'm on a stage and talking and I don't remember what I was saying. And then I was off. So that probably doesn't count because I can't really remember it. My favorite theater memory, gosh, you know, it's probably the first time I sat in a Broadway theater. There, well, I'll, I'll give you two. I'll cheat, but it's the same show. I went to see Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. It was the first time we came into New York to see a show. And it was a big moment. And it was actually a producing strategy. Cameron McIntosh refused to tour that show for a while. He wanted everyone to come to New York. And my family came to New York from Massachusetts to see it because we had to see it. And we sat in the second to last row with the orchestra. And I was just like, uh. and I was so enamored that I saved up my delivering pizza from Domino's pizza money. And I said to myself, I must sit closer. So I got like scalper tickets through a broker. And this is in 1989. So I looked up a ticket broker in the yellow pages that said like tickets, every show, Saigon, Phantom. Actually, Saigon wasn't even running. And called them and ordered two tickets for the third row for $140 each. It's like triple the cost. They were about 50 something bucks. So... The funny part of that story is that they said, we got your tickets for you. It's for like December 8th. What do you think? And I said, I can't go that day. And they're like, how come? And I said, I'm getting my braces off. And on the other side of the phone were cackles because they thought they were dealing with some you know, lawyer from Albuquerque or something. And I took my dad to see it. And my dad has since passed. And you know, we sat in that third row. And to think a couple months ago, I was in the balcony. Now, I loved it so much, I had to get back. Now, flash forward to 2019, 30 years later, I am working for Andrew Lloyd Webber as his executive producer in North America. And I am sitting three seats away from where I sat as a 16-year-old kid. And I just remember going like, I am the luckiest kid around. I went from the balcony, I went to the front and I am now working for the man that made it happen. And I still love that show to this day. But that whole experience was quite a moment for me. That is incredible. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that amazing memory. Just two last questions for you. Are there any other projects or productions you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? 
I've got a, a few. I mentioned, you know, Harry Belafonte is very early. There's a show called The Ten that's very early. I have the Griswolds Broadway Vacation, which is the next installment in the Vacation movie franchise that's coming. I talked about Harmony already. And then a musical called Joy, which is based on the life of Joy Mangano. There was a movie called Joy, starred Jennifer Lawrence, like that story. You know, I'm, I'm attracted to stories about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. The underdog, the people coming up from nothing and changing the world, putting a ding in the universe, right? What all of us entrepreneurs want to do. So those are a few of the ones coming up. Harmony's first on the docket, and then the rest will follow after that. Amazing. So lots of irons in the fire. And that leads to my final question, which is if our listeners want more information about any of these projects, particularly Neil Diamond, you know, a beautiful noise, excuse me, the Neil Diamond musical or Harmony, or maybe about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? So the simplest thing to do is it's just kendavenport.com. kendavenport.com, you can find everything I do and more. And then my social handle of choice is Instagram and kendavenportbway. Perfect. Well, Ken, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It was such an honor. This was a joy. And I really, I loved everything you shared. Thank you for these words of wisdom. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much for doing it. Thank you. My guest today has been the producer and writer, Ken Davenport, whose show, A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical, is currently playing at the Broadhurst Theater. And coming this fall... His upcoming musical, Harmony, is playing at the Barrymore Theater. So you can catch two of Ken Davenport's shows this year on Broadway, but he's got numerous other productions in, in the pipeline, and you can also visit his website to see what other shows he's had his hand in. He also does amazing other work. Check him out. He's an incredible, incredible artist, producer, so we are so grateful to have had him. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to Turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. And the light.